Hi, I'm Lisa Davis, and I have a big, exciting announcement for 2023. On Wednesdays, I'm going to be adding a brand new show. It is a show for people who love dogs, who love to read about dogs, and who love to listen to my interviews with authors. Now, I've been interviewing authors for over 22 years. It's something near and dear to my heart. And if you listen to the show, you know that my dogs, Blue and Benji, are also near and dear to my heart. Now, oftentimes I'll go on little rants on health power about the dogs, but now that I have this show, I won't have to. So if you want to hear from incredible authors in the world of dogs, whether it be health, memoirs, behavior, training, and more, be sure to tune in to Dog Eared. Yes, it is called dog-eared every Wednesday here on the same platform as Health Power. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Health Power. I get about three to five books a week and I always get super excited when I get something that I would say this is for everybody. I learned a ton. I would say it's for kids, it's for teens, it's for adults. It has incredible illustrations and incredible information. It's called Meltdown, Discover Earth's Irreplaceable Glaciers and Learn What You Can Do to Save Them. It is by Anita Sanchez and it is illustrated by Lily Padula and Anita joins us us now. Hi, Anita. Hello. Oh, I, I'm so excited about your book. I really enjoyed it. I, I love in the book you write, quote, just like oceans and forests, glaciers play a crucial role in our in the health of our planet. And before we dive into that crucial role, uh, what are glaciers exactly? Well, they're very different than just a big pile of snow. They're snow that has packed over centuries, over millennia, so that the ice compacts. And then when the glacier is on a tilted surface, the ice moves. It becomes a moving river of ice flowing down a mountainside. And when did you first get interested in glaciers? Well, I really wasn't. I was just, I'm was. i a suburban kid. I'm not a, an Arctic explorer or anything. <laughs> um, I took a vacation to Iceland and did, you know, the Iceland touristy stuff you do. And one of them was to walk on a glacier, you know, with a, a tourist group. And I was just, you know, to say a cliche, blown away by the beauty of the glacier. It's not all just white ice. There's ice that's colored, the, the color of a, a chlorine swimming pool, kind of oh, turquoise wow. and sapphire. Oh, it's, it's, it's beautiful. At first, I wanted to write a picture book for little kids about the cool animals that live on the glacier. Yeah. But then I got interested in the heavier stuff, the big issues about climate change and you know what's going on with our planet. So I decided to make it a slightly book for older kids, but um, I think really, I hope almost any age can enjoy it. Yeah, I, I feel that way. My daughter's 18. She was like, I didn't realize this, or I knew that, but I didn't know this. And I just, I didn't know a lot. <laughs> I mean, I clearly know about climate change and other things, but I didn't really understand the role of glaciers. So talk to us a little bit about what we t I've touched on earlier. You say they play a crucial role in the health of our planet. How, how is that and why? Well, something like three quarters of the Earth's fresh water is locked up in the frozen places of the world oh, in the wow. form of ice. So a lot of communities depend on glaciers for their meltwater. Um, a lot of wildlife depend on gla the glaciers for their habitat. For instance, salmon uh, swim upstream into the, the streams that are created by the glacial melt every spring. And the natural glacial melt, glaciers have always melted in spring. Um, and so 
salmon are just one example of wildlife that can't live without glaciers. Um, and also now that we realize what's happening with it, we, we can see that they're melting, the sea levels are rising in billions and billions of tons of ice are melting and fresh water is pouring into the ocean, which changes the nature, nature of the ocean, which changes the nature of the air, which changes the nature of our weather. So it's all tied in together. It's not just one simple problem. It's many things, many threads all getting tangled up together. Anita, what do you do when you come across someone who's like, oh, I don't believe in climate change? Because sadly, there seems to be a lot of people who feel that way. And it just completely blows my mind. I mean, you know, I feel like there's this backlash against science and not wanting to like see reality. Absolutely. And I don't even argue because uh, when my son was young, he had asthma. Childhood asthma is an epidemic and clean air is, I think, a right that every child should have the right to breathe clean air and not have pollution being drawn into their lungs and affecting their health. Who cares about climate change? Let's, can we agree that it's bad that children don't have clean air to breathe? Um, often it's really deemed smart. to be something political. Um, I don't see that clean air and clean water and wildlife and trying to keep the price of salmon down should be a political issue. So yeah, I, I don't even try to convince people. It's very hard to convince people of climate change because the science is so complex. I mean, I, I don't even begin to understand all of it. Um, but I think we can agree that there are certain basic things we want, like healthy kids. Yeah. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. And I think that is, is so incredibly smart and, and to raise it in that way. Uh, tell us about uh, watermelon snow. You were talking in the book about different things that are happening as the glaciers are melting. Well, what happens is as the glaciers melt, the more they melt, the more they melt. Um, right. Because light colors reflect heat, dark colors absorb them. So as glaciers melt and revealing the dark ground underneath, the earth heats up, which causes more melting, which reveals more earth, which causes more melting. Watermelon snow is snow that looks pink. And it's caused by a an algae, type of algae that literally grows on the snow, but it will only grow in warmer temperatures it doesn't grow when it's very cold and it it darkens up the color of the snow it looks pink looks pretty but it looks pinkish and that makes that causes more melting so it's it's a minor contributor to melting but it it does kind of stand out if you ever happen to be in a place where there's pink snow that's that's what it's algae that's what's causing it you know in the book you also have carbon dioxide good or bad you write you can't smell it you can't see it or taste it but we breathe carbon dioxide every minute of our lives so talk to us about that and also you have on the next page it's not only co2 well carbon dioxide is the thing we all hear about most uh you know lowering your carbon footprint so i think it's good to remember that if there was no carbon dioxide at all we'd all die because carbon dioxide is something that we need for our our breathing it's something that we need to keep our planet warm enough i mean we need some of the sun's heat or our planet would be a frozen blob of ice with no life on it so it's not like we want to get rid of all the carbon dioxide um we just have too much of it because ever since the industrial revolution in 1750 um we've been pumping a lot of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere there are other greenhouse gases too um methane is a big one and methane is caused by various things, decomposition of waste in landfills, 
cows, believe it or not, cows burping um, give off methane, which, you know, you think, okay, you know, how much, you know, air pollution can a cow cause? But when you talk about the hundreds of millions, billions of livestock on our planet, it's, it's significant. So there's other causes too, but usually it just gets boiled down to the carbon footprint, you know, about the carbon. But again, it's such a complex topic. There's no one greenhouse gas. There's no one simple solution. Yeah, that's true. I mean, one thing that helps, and you write in the book, nature's carbon trap, and you're talking about trees. Right. Um, We hear a lot about, you know, the rainforest is getting cut down. Oh, no, oh, no. And of course, that's incredibly sad because of all the wildlife that live in the rainforest, but it also affects us. You know, I, I want to get across to kids that, you know, obviously it's great. We want to save gorillas and sloths in the rainforest, but um, the rainforest affects us with every breath you take because trees grab carbon out of the air. They give off oxygen. So the more forests we have, the healthier our air will be the less climate change we'll have. But sadly, we're losing forests at you know a huge rate. I know. It's so frustrating. And yet we have to open our eyes and, and we need to learn these things and under, understand what's happening. And of course, you know, you talk about uh, what will happen if we don't change course. And it's scary. Well, it is scary. And I really worried about that when I was writing the book, because I think the mo- the biggest danger is that people will turn away. I mean, we hear so much bad stuff about climate change and, you know, I, I, I don't want to hear it anymore. If it's on the news, I turn it off. Um, you know, let, let's go binge Netflix instead. I don't want to yeah. listen to this awful bad stuff. I think the, it's most important that we not turn away. So the reason, reason I wrote the book is to, first of all, explain to young people what's happening mm-hmm. and then to make them feel, hopefully, hope instead of dread to give them some ideas for things that they can do to help turn things around and not always be focusing on the negative. I think anytime we get into the thing of being, oh, you know, doomsayer or, you know, no, no, you can't do this, can't do that. We're going to lose our audience. We have to be more positive. Yeah, that's true. By the way, I love dogs, so I totally get it. Mine are both asleep. Um, but when your dog was crying, I was like, is that mine? <laughs> it sounds yeah. very similar. Yeah, she's, she's being a pain, but that's okay. No, that's okay. Do- dogs are the best. <laughs> are you passionate about dogs and reading? Whether you want the latest advice on how to keep your furry friend happy and healthy, training tips, inspirational memoirs, or anything else dog, Dog Eared is a podcast for you. Whether you're a first-time dog owner or a seasoned pro, I'll bring you weekly recommendations and interviews with authors, experts, and dog lovers from around the world. From finding the perfect book to reading it with your pup by your side, I'll cover it all. Tune in and find your next great dog-related read today. Every Wednesday here on the same platform as Health Power. So we've all heard about reducing our carbon footprint. And and what are some other things that we can do, Anita, to help with this? I, to tell you the truth, I think the most important thing that any activist can do is vote. Yes. It's all about voting, whether it's a federal election or a small local election. I mean, just an example, in my small town, we used to have public transportation. I live in a small rural town. We used to have a bus that would go up and, oh. up and down the hill and bring people. Now the, the they cut the budget, no more bus. Oh, no. So now you know, a few people walk, but mostly people drive their cars. So instead of, you know, one bus, we now have 50 cars going up and down that hill. 
And that's that's a small local election like this, you know, next year in 23, there'll be a very low voter turnout because it's not a big year. But those little elections really, really matter. I think voting is so important. And I think this is where kids can really make a difference. They're too young to vote. But I've seen in my own family how kids can be an advocate for voting, how they can badger and <laughs> and and educate and um, get their whole family involved in voting. And voting is tough. You have to find out, you know, where's my polling place? Where's the, you know, where's early voting? Where's, you know, what about absentee ballots? Kids are, you know, all kids these days were, you know, they're born with an iPhone in their hand <laughs> and they know how to use social media. And I, there's tremendous power, not only for bad, but for good in social media. And I think kids really understand how to use that. Yeah. You know, I think something else that was so important, I don't think people are thinking about, is you talk about climate refugees. Yeah. You, you think, okay, glaciers only affects, all this stuff only affects people up north, right? Where they, you know, you can see glaciers. So I, it was really interesting to learn that um, there are South Sea islands, you know, tropical Pacific islands that just aren't there anymore. They're just, they're drowned by the sea levels rising as the glaciers melt. Um, and I've, I've been to, I've been lucky enough to go to a few countries in the, the South Seas, American Samoa, or Samoa and American Samoa, both of which are very steep volcanic islands and all of the human habitation is in a very narrow ring around the steep peaks in the middle. And they're, you know, right on the beach. All the sea level has to do is rise a few feet and there, you know, people will have to leave their homes. And then what happens? You know, where, how do we deal with millions of climate refugees when cities start to flood? Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, I, I like what you said earlier about the voting. I mean, it reminds me of like when you're in school and you start learning about how horrible cigarettes are. So the kids go home and are like, do you know that? You know, <laughs> right, about right. that. right. Yeah. I got my mom to stop smoking, you know, cause I was the one who was always advocating for it. You know, whenever kids write a letter to the editor or go to the school board meeting or attend the town council meeting, it gets attention. It, get, it gets press. It, it gets eyes on the issue. Yeah, you also include in your book, uh, write, email, or call your elected representatives. That's super important. Vote. You talked about that. A volunteer. You have the Arctic Wildlife, a World Wildlife Fund website. You've got information about salmon. You've got the National Wildlife Federation. You can speak out. You talk about electricity and reducing your carbon footprint and plastic. And, you know, I remember in the 70s, my dad was like super early big into recycling and that was like a big deal. But you also talk about food, which I think is really good. And I love that you have a a bag of quinoa, eat quinoa every day. I love it. (laughs) You know, and also I think, you know, buying foods in better packaging. I mean, there's just a lot of, or with no packaging. I mean, if you can get bulk, it's even better. I mean, you need a bag, obviously. You can't just carry your rice home, but it's still better, right? (laughs) Well, one of the big food choices we can make is, for instance, say you go to the store and you buy an apple. Right. If I'm in New York state. So if I buy an apple from Washington state, it's been trucked across the continent. Yep. And trucks are even worse than cars for putting emissions into the air. If I go to the store and buy an apple from my local orchard, I've made a small but significant difference. So food choices, eating local. There's a great book called um, Animal Vegetable Miracle. And it's about uh, this woman for a year took a vow to eat only food and beverages that were grown within 100 miles of her home. 
with an exception for coffee. <laughs> and, and but she got locally like you know, locally roasted coffee. I would need that exception for like super dark chocolate, not for coffee, but for chocolate. Everyone in the family got one exception. Oh, so good. You could like chocolate, but she ate locally and that makes a huge difference in the amount of, you know, cl- climate change we're creating. Um, beef, for instance, you know, whenever you're in the position of being the bad guy, oh, don't eat beef, don't eat beef, eat, eat tofu instead, you're going to lose. But if you can convince people Local beef is better. Work with, you know, go, go to a CSA or a local farmer to get local beef instead of going to McDonald's to buy the hamburger where they've raped the rainforest to, you know, have the feedlot to grow the cheap the cheap hamburger. Cheap, cheap hamburgers are really killing the planet, but it's not beef. It's, you know, locally grown beef on a small local farm, a whole different story. Yeah. And I, I do that as much as possible. There's a great little butcher in my town and it's all grass fed. And it's, and again, there, it, yeah, it, it, you know, people are going to say, well, Lisa, I might not be financially able to do that. And my thing is like, well, buy less, but if you want high quality meat, like save your money or buy things in bulk, like I mentioned, I mean, you could buy a bag of beans for so little. I've been making these big pots of lentil soup every week. And the whole pot probably costs 10 bucks and it feeds three people a day for five days. It's a (laughs) lot of soup. So there are ways, there are ways around it as well. And I think making, making good choices, you know, what do you hope people take away from the book? Well, my, my main thing is to get people to feel a sense of possibility of optimism and not of despair. And also in, in this book somewhat, but in particularly in my other books, to encourage people to get more connected with nature. Most of my books are about the kind of nature that you can find in your backyard. I, I literally have a book about mud puddles and all the wildlife that use mud puddles. Um, so I really want to encourage people of all ages to really look closer at the environment around them. Um, most of us will never see a glacier, but um there's nature, no matter where you live, even in an urban area, there's a lot of, of nature. One of my books is about dandelions. So there's, there's, there's lots of nature around us. The book is Meltdown. Discover Earth's irreplaceable glaciers and learn what you can do to save them. Anita, tell us where to find you and your awesome work. Um, I have a website, anitasanchez.com. And you can, you can get my books anywhere. I mean, Amazon, of course, but you know, Support those indie bookstores. Yeah, bookstores are great too. Absolutely, I'd love to have you back, Anita. Have a great day. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed speaking with you. That would be great. Thank you very much. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you, and we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time.